Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 26 and 27. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. How many times have we heard this blessing that he will multiply Abram's descendants? Isaac hears it again. So Isaac built there an altar. He called upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there and he had his servants dig a well. And Bimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahusath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and you have sent me away from you? And they said, we see plainly that the Lord is with you. And so we say, let there be an oath between you and us and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. So now they want to be friends. Are they seeing how powerful Isaac is, how much his God has blessed him, how fruitful he is, how he's multiplying, how they're prolific, they're overtaken, and now they want to be friends. Okay, because they see you are now the blessed of the Lord. They see even the secular rulers can notice how powerful the God of Israel is. So God's hand is on Isaac. He is the son of Abram. You are now blessed of the Lord. And so they made a feast. They ate, they drank. In the morning they rose. They took an oath with one another. Isaac sent them on their way. They departed in peace. The same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and they said, we have found water. God has blessed them again. Now we move on to Genesis 26 and we see that Esau has taken Hittite wives. Now Esau's Hebrew. He's the son of Isaac. Why is he taking Hittite wives? This is not allowed. Esau is 40 years old. He takes the wife Judith, the Hittite wife, as well as Basemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. So he's not, he's taking plural wives. He's taking non-Hebrew wives. And remember, Esau likes carnal pleasure and he lives for the here and now, not the eternal. He's spiritually slothful and he likes the Hittite wives, but his mother does not. The Hittite wives have made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So in their old age, he's taken wives that they do not approve of from another nation. They are not Hebrews and they are making life very difficult for his parents. That's not honoring your parents. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, Isaac called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. And Isaac said, behold, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me savory food such as that I love. He has a little carnal in him too. And bring it to me that I might eat, that I might bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to her son Esau. So when Esau went out into the field to hunt for game and to bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, remember he's the favorite one, the one Rebecca loves. I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me savory food that I might eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my word as I command. This is his mother 
telling her son to obey her. Go to the flock, fetch me two good kids that I might prepare them, savory food for your father the way he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Now, Rebecca must have remembered those words the Lord told her so clearly years and years and years and years ago when she was pregnant with these two twins. Remember what was told to her? That the elder will serve the younger. Who's the younger? Jacob. He was not able to get out first. And she knows that. She knows that the blessing is on the younger son. But Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father's going to fill me and, and, and I, I, it'll seem like I'm mocking him and I might bring a curse upon myself, not a blessing. So he tells his mom, mom, this plan could really backfire. I mean, I, I, I could get cursed and curse is death. Woe to me. Curse is a death. This could not work, mom. And she says, his mother says to him, upon me be your curse, my son. She is willing to take on the curse of death herself for this plan that she has cooked up, literally. And obey my word and go fetch them to me. The elder shall serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. She knows the Lord has said this and she can help the Lord with his plan, right? Remember when Jacob's grandmother, Sarai, thought she could help God along with his plan and she brought Hagar right into the bed? Remember? Women are really good at this, helping God along with his plan. <laughs> Aren't we, girls? We have all sorts of ideas for him, especially where our husbands and children are concerned. I can think of a lot of ideas I could help him along quite handily. So Jacob went and took them the, the kids, the kid goats, he brought them to his mother and his mother prepared savory food such that his father loved. And she knew the right recipe. She knew exactly what he loved. She broke bread as well. Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house. She put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the kids. She put them on his hands and upon the smooth part of his neck. She thought of everything, even the furry arms, the furry hands. And she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her favorite son, Jacob. And so he went into his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn son. I am Esau, your firstborn son. It's an absolute bald faced lie. Couldn't be any more of a lie than this. And I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that you might bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He's questioning this. Usually it takes time to go hunt, to get it, to clean it, to fix it. To, it, 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 it this has happened way too fast. He answered, because the Lord, your God, has granted me success. Because the Lord, your God, has granted me success. And notice he doesn't say the Lord, my God. He says the Lord, your God. And it's another absolute lie. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near, that I may fill you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. He's still not quite sure. Something is just a little off. And he's trying to figure it out. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him. Ah. And Isaac said, the voice is Jacob's voice. 
but the hands are the hands of Esau. Oh, and he did not recognize him. Rebecca had done a very good job sewing those lamb skin hand coverings and neck covering because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. Now the father's blessing is absolutely irrevocable. You cannot take it back ever. Once it goes out, it's gone. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Hmm. <laughs> then he said, bring it to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. So here again, carnal satisfaction came first. The eating, the drinking, drinking alcohol, drinking wine, eating and drinking. The human needs came before the spiritual reality of what was going to be released with the irrevocable father's blessing. It's a spiritual blessing to be in the covenant of Abraham, to be fallen before being redeemed. Humanity over spirituality. Isaac is a type of Jesus, right? Isaac eats first and then gives the father's blessing. Jesus says he will not eat or drink again until the kingdom of God is ushered in. Until the father's final blessing is ushered in, he won't eat or drink again. The final thing he drinks is that sip of wine, the sponge that's lifted up to him on the cross. The father's final and irrevocable blessing is accomplished. The father's finest final blessing is Jesus. It's irrevocable. It can never be taken back. The gift he gave us in Jesus Christ as our savior. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of the garments. Ah. Mm, mm, mm. It's Esau. Yeah. He's the outdoorsman. They're very strong smelling. Isaac blessed Jacob and said, see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So you remember the curse Rebecca offered to take. If he curses you, it'll be on me. I'll take the curse. Well, that's no threat of that anymore because now that he's got the blessing, blessed be everyone who blesses you. Rebecca blesses Jacob, so she'll be blessed. The curse will be reversed. So that didn't last long. Jacob has stolen the blessing outright. There's no other way around it. It was deceitful. He stole it. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. And he also prepared savory food and he brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat some of his son's game that you might bless me. And his father said to him, who are you? And he answered, I'm your son, your firstborn son Esau. And Isaac trembled violently. Isaac trembled violently. This old blind man began to tremble violently. Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came. I have blessed him. He knows it's an irrevocable blessing. He knows he can't take it back. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words out of his father's mouth, he cried out with an exceedingly 
great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, even me also, oh, my father. But he said, your brother came with guile. That's deceit. Your brother came with guile and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. When he says uh, he has taken, um, your brother came with guile. Remember, I, that just made me think, remember when Jesus met Nathaniel and he said, in this man, there is no guile in this Israelite. He took away my birthright, said Esau. And now behold, he's taken away my blessing. He's a supplanter. That's what his name means, Jacob. Jacob, he's, he's stolen his birthright. Reluctantly, not really stolen that. He got it and he has stolen the blessing. Esau said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac said to Esau, behold, I have made him your Lord. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. That means you're one of his servants now. And with grain and wine, I have sustained him. He, his, his, his wheat is going to grow like crazy and his grapes. What can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. And Isaac, his father, answered him. And listen to his blessing. This is all he's got left. Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. He's going to live by the sword. He's going to have a violent life. There'll be lots of wars for the Edomites, which will become his people. Their land is red and craggy rock. It doesn't grow anything. But when you break loose, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his brother had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he is full of hatred and revenge and he is out to kill his brother. And that, remember, death entered the world through envy. Cain killed Abel over envy. God preferred his sacrifice over his. The days of mourning for my father are approaching and then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now we see the nations that are forming around Israel, around this kingdom of Judah. We'll have Ammon and Moab. Those are the ancestral paternal relationships with Lot and his two daughters, the Moabites and the Ammonites. We'll see the Philistines over here will become an enemy. This will be Abimelech. This will go south pretty soon, sour. And Edom is Esau. Esau's kingdom, the Edomites. Those are Esau's people. This will be his nation and King Herod will be an Edomite. And you see by the sword how he massacred the innocents, uh, the, the boys three and under around Bethlehem at the time of Christ. But the words of Esau, her older sister, were told to Rebekah and she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, behold, your brother Esau comforts himself by planning to kill you. Remember how Isaac comforted himself? in the tent with Rebekah after his mother's death, this boy, Esau, is comforting himself with plans of murder. Therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. Now you remember Uncle Laban. This is Rebekah's brother, and this is where she wants him to run. Flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him for a while. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and fetch you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? 
Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of these Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women, such as these, one of the women of the land, oh, what good will my life be to me then? So she's not crazy about the Hittite women. And she wants Jacob to get a wife from her own people. Uncle Laban will have someone for him. Now, what are we to make of this story? Rebecca and Jacob don't get off scot-free. They will have punishment. Rebecca has lost her favorite son that day, and I uh, have to research ahead. I don't know, but I don't think she ever gets to see him again alive. I think she will die before he returns. So that's quite a punishment. Jacob, uh, who was a homebody, remember he liked to just stay home. He's fleeing for his life now, always looking over his shoulder if Esau's there to kill him, sleeping with one eye open as Esau here to kill me. You know, what kind of life is that? These are the patriarchs of our faith. Sinners like us, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and see these little tells they have, and that's us inside the tells, the multiple descendants. We come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's the little people in their arms. They're multiple descendants, as numerous as the stars. Three righteous patriarchs, righteous. Selling the birthright was a shrewd negotiation in a time of human weakness that, that mm, he was so hungry, but the blessing was stolen. That was an all-out deception. Now, when God the Father ushers in his final blessing, it will be for all the descendants of Abraham, all humankind. And it's once for all people, all generations. And there's no negotiating, there's no finagling, and there's, it's irrevocable. It can't be taken back. The Father's blessing has been ushered. Christ has been obedient, the new Isaac, even unto death, even unto death on a cross. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He's going to uncurse that cursed ground of Adam. The new Adam is going to uncurse the ground, reverse the curse, usher in the Father's greatest blessing. The opposite of a curse is a blessing. That he who believes in him, in Jesus Christ, is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. That's a personal choice of condemnation if you don't believe. He didn't do it. He came to save you. But if you choose not to believe, that's your choice. And you're condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Sometimes when they post John 3.16 at the football games, they don't tell verse 18, right? 17 and 18. If you believe, you are blessed. If you don't believe, you forfeit the Father's blessing. My personal freedom of your own free will, of your own free choice. That's your choice. Now we're coming into 2020, right? I'll, I'll see you guys next year in 2020. But 2020 is going to be the year of... Perfect vision, right? That's on the Christmas cards. <laughs> no, there's going to be a new vision in 2020. The new theology of 2020. Do you know what it is? It's the Lord of choice. The Lord of, I serve the Lord of personal choice. I, I serve the Lord of personal freedom over anything else. That's what many people will be worshiping in 2020. That's the direction we're headed. That's the vision of 2020. The God of personal freedom. God's greatest gift is personal freedom. God's greatest gift is our free will to choose. But it has morphed into, I will be my own God. You be your God, I'll be mine. You do your thing, I'll do mine. This is not truth, this is not truth. I, my truth is my truth. 
I will decide my gender. I will decide my sexual activity. I will decide how many times I get married and remarried. I will decide to control my own fertility. Thank you. And I will decide to kill any children I don't want right now. And I will decide again to change my gender if I want to change my gender again. And I will decide when I am ready to die. And I will decide how I want to die. And I will decide how I want to live my life. And I value my own personal freedom above anything else in the entire world, even God. I am my own God. My own personal freedom is what I serve. Lucifer said, I will not serve God. And St. Michael the Archangel said, I will serve. I will not serve. I will only serve my own personal freedom. Does that sound like someone who believes and trusts in God? No. Or someone who says, I will be my own God. The trinity of three, me, myself, and I. I will be my own God. It's the oldest trick in the book, and I literally mean it. It's the oldest trick in Genesis chapter 3. You have it. You studied it this year. The serpent said to the woman, you'll not die. God knows. You're, when you eat of this, your eyes are going to be open, and you will be like God. You will be your own God. You don't have to listen to him. You don't have to trust him. You can be your own God. You can have your own things. You'll be like God. You can be your own God. The serpent tried the same trick with Jesus Christ in the desert. He Satan tempted Jesus to be his own God. This could all be yours. You could decide everything. The devil took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And he said, I could give you all this. I have authority and I could give all this to you. It could be delivered to you right now. You just have to worship me and all will be yours. And Jesus said, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. That same lie is abounding today just with new ardor, new methods for each and every new generation. Satan tries new tricks. He can't create. He can only mimic and mock. He cannot create. That's God's job. But he mimics, he tries, he changes. He's after every single generation. He camouflages himself into the generation. He's mad as ever because he got duped at the cross. And he's after whoever he can get. And he's a good tricky camouflager. And he has had a lot of help in this generation. He's had a lot, a lot, a lot of help, a lot of help. And our kids and, and a lot of us are, and our grandkids are very confused. And there's so many choices and there's so many voices coming into our head and the church has had problems and that's not helping. But when the father ushered in his final blessing, it was for all mankind, for all time, for every generation. And Jesus is the father's very final word. He uncursed the cursed ground. He opened the gates of heaven that we might gain access again to have face time, face to face with the father. But not only that, the perfect love between the father and son and his perfect obedience and God's perfect love, that love was poured out onto us. You were baptized into the Trinity. He poured out the Holy Spirit that day, a whole unique person. The perfection of their love is another unique person who you were baptized into and who indwells you. Now in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never indwelled anyone. But he indwells you. He started with John the Baptist. At the moment of conception, the Holy Spirit indwelt him. And Jesus said, you are my friends if you keep my commands. He didn't say, do whatever the heck you want. And I'll love you because I'm so merciful. He said, you are my friends if, if you keep my commands. No longer slaves, I call you friends. If you keep my commands. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us keep his commands. Because he lives inside of us. And one of his biggest jobs is convicting. He's the convictor. So when we're in sin, it doesn't 
we know he starts convicting us. He starts convicting us. And perhaps that's why we don't beg for God to give us a deeper indwelling of the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be convicted because we like our sins because they're fun and they're pleasurable and they're carnal and they're kind of fun. So we don't pray for that gift a lot. He wants to pour it. It's a gift he can't resist to fill you deeper and deeper and deeper and more and more and more with his Holy Spirit. But we don't want it because we don't want to be convicted. We like our sins too much and we've grown quite attached to them. You do not receive because you do not ask, the Father says. This is the gift he wants to give you in abundance. So Jesus became one of us, took on human flesh so that we could again become one of them. Partakers in the divine nature once again, living in the heart of the Trinity once again for all eternity in the heart of love. But we are sinners. Just like Jacob, we lie. Just like Rebecca. We want to plan our plans instead of God's and not trust. Just like Uncle Laban, we get greedy. Just like Esau, we're envious. We're them. That's why we don't like this chapter. And it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us wrestle in our discussions. We're them. We're like, well, they were so bad. Well, we are too. And we're full of the Holy Spirit, right? They didn't have that. We're them. They did not have an indwelling Holy Spirit, but we do. And so like the truest freedom, the best freedom you'll ever know comes from following God's commands. It seems like a trick, but it's not. It seems like it wouldn't be freedom to follow God's commands, but that's where the deepest, truest freedom is because that's where you're set free. He wants the best for you. He wants happiness for you. He wants beatitude for you. So he gives you a church, a bride so that we can be attached to him. He's the head, we're the body. And he pours out seven, a perfection of sacraments. They're all involved with the Holy Spirit. They don't happen without the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what convicts us. And that's where all the freedom is. Because if we mess up and we will, and we do, the Holy Spirit will convict us and we can go to confession. And then we can eat from the banqueting table again of the Lamb of God. And then he fills us again. By the power of the Holy Spirit does he come down in the transubstantiation in the epiclesis at the mass. It's all by the Holy Spirit. But we're so stiff-necked, we don't ask. And that's what he wants to give us this Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise and thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming man. Thank you for becoming the new Isaac, for leaving the promised land with the Father to come and redeem us, to be the final lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and leaves us with an indwelling Holy Spirit. You said, I will not leave you orphaned. I will send the Holy Spirit. He will be your paraclete, your friend. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I pray for more of the Holy Spirit in my own life. I pray for anyone here open to the Holy Spirit in their life that they'll just ask because it's the gift you want to give us, Father, this Christmas. You want peace with our families as we gather now. We leave for three weeks. May you send your Holy Spirit into our homes as we're gathered for the holidays. May you heal past hurts, past memories, past pains and woes. And may you usher in the Father's greatest blessing, which is that newborn Christ child. And may you fill us with the gift of your love, that new person, the Holy Spirit, that we may serve you with full heart and have full happiness. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 26 and 27, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.